ask uh, for Stephen that you would give him the words to speak, that you would help him to communicate clearly to us the things that you have for us today, and that you'd soften our hearts to hear them and to receive from you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Oh, that wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> okay, you're going to need to strap in today because it's not going to be the lightest of talks that I've given from the front here today. Because today what I'm talking about is compassion and justice. And I'm going to do a little bit, um, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, which is talk a little bit about myself uh, for your benefit. But also I think it has a, a bit of an impact um, on what we're talking about today. So we are going through the book of Nehemiah, and uh, that is part of our bigger series that we've been talking about all this year so far, talking about Renew. Uh, and so I'm going to read to you one of my favorite Bible passages. It's actually something that, that Jesus quoted right at the start of his ministry when he said what his mission statement, what his purpose was going to be. He quoted from Isaiah 61, and this is what it says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And it's the three words that I put up on the screen there that, that really speak to me right at the end of that passage. The words are rebuild, restore, and renew, which is the one that we've, of course, chosen as our focus. And I like them because they speak of hope. They speak of restoration, of putting something that was formerly good and glorying it again, putting it back how it should be. So it's no longer worn out or destroyed or devastated. And today I'm going to be talking a lot about two different dimensions. I'm going to be talking about the physical renewing and the spiritual renewing. And I'm going to keep coming back to that over and over again. Uh, but to recap the story of Nehemiah so far, and where it sits in context of this verse I've just read, actually, is that Jerusalem has been destroyed. It's one of those places long devastated, one of those cities that needs renewed. And the reason it's been destroyed is because the Babylonian people had come in, they had swept all of the Jewish people off and taken them away into captivity. And after many generations, one of those Jews, a man called Nehemiah, rose to the position of cupbearer to the king. But then he uh, hears about what has happened back in Jerusalem. He hears about the devastation of the capital city of his people, about the lack of walls surrounding that city and the lack of protection for the people. And he wants to rebuild. He wants to restore. He wants to renew. So he takes a group of people and they head off to do that. That is his mission. That is his purpose. He has a purpose to have a physical renewing of the walls of Jerusalem but there's also a spiritual dimension as well because they want to be able to rebuild the security of the city so that they can have God come and dwell amongst them in that place once more like he did before. So our first question today, and I'm going to ask a few questions. You might want to come back to them later on. What does the word renew mean to you? What does the word renew mean to you today? Or put it another way, where might you need renewing in your life? Is it a physical thing or is it a spiritual thing? Now, 
I've had this passport out as, a, as an illustration before many times in talks, but I keep coming back to it because when I think of renewing, I think of this expired passport. Okay, this passport has got my, my identity in it. It's got a bit of my purpose and my calling um, and a very old picture, okay? But it's expired, it's out of date. So if I wanted to use it for its prime purpose, it would be useless to me. I wouldn't be able to actually travel. And I think that's testimony to the fact that I haven't been anywhere in a while as well. So th there's a bit of a spiritual element to that about its, its prime purpose has been worn away. But also physically, if I'm honest, it's a little bit grubby, okay? It's been well-worn and well-used. As I say, the picture could really do with being replaced. It's a little bit dog-eared. So there's a physical and a spiritual dimension to the renewing of my passport. And if I were to get it renewed, not only would it bring the, the hope of future travel, which would be fantastic, but it would look nice and clean and fresh again. It would be almost like having a brand new start. So, what would that look like for you? Where might you need renewing, was the question. Is it a physical dimension thing? Is it a spiritual dimension thing? It could be something like you're a bit worn out and tired and need a fresh start, that you need a blank slate, just like a brand new passport would provide. Or maybe you're hoping that you will experience God's presence in a way that you maybe haven't for a while, or maybe for the first time. Today we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 5, and I'm going to be using that as a springboard to talk about our compassion ministries here at Winchester Vineyard Church. So it's going to be kind of part talk, part update on what we've got going on. What we hope to do here at Winchester Vineyard through our compassion ministries is all those things we read about in Isaiah 61, the binding up of the brokenhearted, the release of the captives, the good news for the poor, which of course Jesus also modeled through his time on earth as well, which we can read about in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't know me, if you don't know what I do here, I've got two different roles. I wear two different hats in this church. Uh, so I'm assistant pastor, but half of my job is overseeing what we call church operations. And that's everything from managing our wonderful staff team. If any, any of you are here today, you are wonderful. I do mean that, even if I don't always show it. Um, that's admin, bookings, emptying the bins, putting out the chairs, budgets and finances, uh, HR for the staff. There's a whole load of things that that encompasses, and that takes up roughly half of my time here. Uh, but the other half is looking after our compassion ministry. So I oversee what we call compassion here at Winchester Vineyard Church, which is to seek to reach out to people outside of the church, mostly through practical help. Um, I'm originally from Belfast in Northern Ireland. You might have picked that up from the funny accent. Um, thankfully, these days, we no longer need subtitles. It's been required in the past. I try my best for you. Um, I'm married to Louise, who's part of our, our um, um, staff team here. She's up doing kids at the moment. And we have two quickly growing up daughters called Erin and Naomi. And um, they're currently away at a guides camp, which is great because our house is nice and peaceful right now. Um, we moved to England in 2004. And I originally took up a post as a Baptist church, uh, at a Baptist church as their youth and children's worker. Um, and I eventually became one of the ministers there. Uh, then we moved to Winchester about seven years ago, to, mostly to be part of a vineyard church. We were seeking to move into the vineyard uh, because of something like the compassion ministries that vineyard churches have at their core nationally and internationally. Um, now, when you become a Baptist minister, that's a process called accreditation. And when you leave, you become discredited. So... Um, <laughs> I'm standing before you today as a discredited former Baptist minister. <laughs> and uh, my role here at, at Winchester Vineyard, again, was as assistant pastor overseeing the youth and children's ministry, which up to that point had been kind of my life's calling, I guess, since I was around 16, not long after I first became a Christian. 
And then in 2019, I had a kind of a dramatic um, change of direction. We happened to be at our National Leaders Conference in January up in Nottingham, and uh, there was big news being shared about DTI, which is our national youth festival for young people. And uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of the history, but there was an event called Soul Survivor, which was massive in many lives of many young people, and it decided they were going to close. And DTI was one of the organisations that had been invited to come in and fill that gap, to stand in that gap, and for people to come to that event from many different churches rather than just vineyard churches. And so it was a big expansion. It was a time of renewed vision for that. And everyone was very excited. There was lots of whooping and cheering in the room as we heard these stories and testimonies. And I should have been excited because that had been up to that point my calling, what I felt I was going to be doing for quite some time. And then I was hearing a phrase or a voice in my head that was saying, this is not for you. And that kind of that hit me so hard, I just put on a brave face and didn't really know what it meant and couldn't really process that. But it meant that I couldn't really join in the excitement that was going on around me. It was quite unnerving and upsetting. And I felt like, at the same time, I, I guess I downloaded three phrases from the cloud, if you like. Um, and they were needs met, hope restored, lives changed. Now, where's Jenny Macarus? There, she's right at the back. Okay. At this time... Unbeknownst to us, Jenny was also going through a similar process. Now, up to that point, Jenny had been leading the Compassion Ministries here for about 11 years, roughly. Perfect, I got that right. Memory's still working. And um, she had overseen that grow from a ministry out of a small cupboard in the original building back then to the established ministry that had become in the new building that we had just renovated, the new area that we put aside here. But she was also feeling a similar sense of, of calling to, to, to begin to pastor the people around her in Chessel Lodge, where her and Neil had been called to, uh, and actually to step down from Compassion Ministries. And we didn't realize this until a bit later on, but both of us were feeling a change in direction around the same kind of time. Uh, but it took a couple of months for us to realize this. And after a process, after a period of transition between the two of us, uh, Jenny stepped down from that role and I stepped into it and out of doing youth and children's ministry as my prime focus here. And uh, we continue to build on her legacy. We've got a fantastic team of people. Um, I will embarrass some of them a little bit later on, so be prepared on that. Um, now, almost immediately, that meant that we had to deal with a global pandemic. So thank you, Lord, for that timing. That was really helpful. So straight into 2020, into the COVID pandemic. So it's a little bit of background about what, the journey that I've been on. But what about Nehemiah? Uh, Nehemiah had organized the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem. And we heard last week about how everyone was mucking in, how everyone was helping to fill in those gaps in the walls, picking up stones, putting them in place, regardless of what their own skill set or occupation happened to be. Now, his main goal and mission, remember, was to rebuild the wall. He wanted to complete the wall to give the city and the people back its security, to make it a place of safety and sanctuary where the people could dwell together with God once more. So again, we've got this two-dimensional thing going on. We've got this physical rebuilding of the walls so that God could come and dwell in their presence, this spiritual dimension. Now, you may have noticed that today we're going to be looking at chapter 5, and Tess will be shortly reading that to us, but um, we have skipped over chapter 4, so I thought it would be very useful to fill in a little bit of what happened in chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we have the rebuilding of the walls faces its first major obstacle. It faces opposition from some of the people who lived around and in Jerusalem who were opposed to the rebuilding of the walls. And as a result, Nehemiah, he, he does something quite strategic. He splits the workers into two different groups. He says, half of you 
will continue to build, and the other half of you will go and pick up some weapons and guard those who are building. So he splits them into two teams. This probably slowed down their progress, but it didn't distract them from their end goal, which was to finish the wall. They still had that as their primary purpose. Next in chapter 5, which Tess is just coming to read for us now, we hear about how Nehemiah comes up against a second major hurdle in this goal. And this time, he thinks it's so important that actually they seem to stop the work in the wall until it is dealt with. So, thank you, Tess. No problem. It's the whole of Nehemiah 5, so fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> so it should also come up brilliant. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are exacting usury from your own countrymen. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have brought back our Jewish brothers who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your brothers only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let the exacting of usury stop. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves and houses, and also the usury you are charging them, the hundredth part of the money, grain, new wine and oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way, may God shake out of his house and possessions every man who does not keep this promise. So may such a man be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his thirty-second year, Twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took forty shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were...
Sorry. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Furthermore, a hundred and fifty Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember me with favour, O my God, for all I have done for these people. Thank you, Tess. Do you want to take that with you as well? So to summarise, there is injustice amongst the people, isn't there? Some of the people are struggling to feed themselves and their families. Some are getting into debt. And other people are taking advantage of that. And their greed is causing the people that are in debt to be so unable to feed their families that they're even going as far as selling their children. Now, apart from the selling the children bit, does any of that sound familiar currently? I'm not sure how widespread the selling of children has become yet, but as we stand here in, in September 2022, we're on the precipice of what's going to be, probably for many, one of the hardest winters financially of people's lives. And it does scare me sometimes the extremes that people can go to and be pushed to in order to try and make ends meet. We've got the cost of living crisis. We've got this climate of war here in Europe. We've got the effects of the pandemic of the last few years, before that Brexit. The, the, the outlook looks very bleak, doesn't it? And uh, we might have heard recently about emergency schemes from the government, and, and we'll try not to get embroiled in the, the pol politics of, of some of the announcements. And they will help. They will certainly help people who are currently trying to figure out what they're going to do over the next couple of months. But the, the reality is, is that for many people, they're already seeing difficult situations they're already in situations, actually, where they're feeling quite hopeless. Um, so we um, may be aware that we host the Winchester Basics Bank, AGM, here at, um, every year. And they have worked quite closely with us, which I'll explain a little bit later. And at their AGM here uh, on Wednesday this week, they were explaining, and they used this graph, about how the current demand that they're facing is the same level as it was during the height of the COVID pandemic, uh, which is quite shocking, actually. So already through September, they've already exceeded that, and we've got um, another week or so to go. Um, in fact, it's so bad that the donations that are coming in are not meeting the, the demand that's going on. And so just yesterday, the team had to go and spend a couple of thousand pounds at Aldi so that they could be able to make the parcels that need to go out this week have, have enough stock. Uh, and that's not really how a, a, a food bank should operate. Food banks should be operating on incoming donations, shouldn't it? That's, that's how it's always operated. But nationally, the situation appears to be even worse. So here in Winchester, they're saying that the, the demand um, is, is obviously very high, but actually the amount of donations coming in has stayed pretty similar and pretty level. Uh, the rest of the country, the BBC were saying, is actually experiencing uh, an effect where the people who in previous years might have donated to a food bank are now... Uh, receiving from a food bank instead and actually donations have dropped off so much that um, a lot of the um, supply issues we have seen from the inability to get drivers for lorries and things like that has started to affect uh, the shops been able to get in stock and obviously you can't walk into Aldi normally and say can I have £2,000 worth of your stock please you have to arrange that ahead of time 
Uh, and so that the food banks, not just here, Winchester Basics Bank, but across the country, and the food pantries um, are in quite a, an interesting state at the moment. And that's before we even hit the winter and have the increases coming in October in fuel bills. Um, it's already high because we've already seen rising inflation and rising fuel costs. Uh, the BBC also reported last week that there were people returning their fresh produce to food banks. They were returning it because although it would be nice to receive a fresh piece of meat or chicken or whatever that they um, could have, they actually couldn't afford to turn on their refrigerators to be able to store that until such a time as they could use it up. So they were having what they could and then they were returning the excess in the hope that it would be passed on to other people. As I said, it's not very, not very, nice. it's very bleak, isn't it? Very bleak. If only we had a modern-day Nehemiah, someone who, as a great strategist, was able to be distracted from the focus of building the wall and step in because he saw a need and wanted to make sure that the injustice was put right before they returned back to their original focus. Nehemiah seems to achieve a complete turnaround in the situation by simply telling people off. He just stands up and he says, this is not right, give back what you've taken, and make it good for the people that you've taken advantage of. And that seems to happen. They get all the people together, they gather them together, the priests are there to witness this, and the people promise that they will not take advantage of each other again. He also goes a step further, and he refuses to take what he's due as governor of the, the province. All the food that he would normally be given, he instead shares it with the people around them, literally inviting them to eat the food at his table, whether they're a Jew or from one of the surrounding nations. So how could we do with someone in a position of power right now who was able to do that sort of renewing of what needs to happen of our obviously broken systems? Um, at this point, I'd like to jump into a bit of an update um, about our compassion ministries here at Winchester Vineyard Church. Uh, how we are trying to be Nehemiah stepping into the gaps that we can see and trying to rebuild and restore and renew. So our current strap line for compassion is needs met, hope restored, lives changed, or if you like, lives renewed, the purposes of today. Those three words that I downloaded a couple of years ago. And I hope you see there's something of an intentional journey in that process. We believe that as people's physical needs are met, not only are they given hope for the future again, but actually we can start to see a renewing of them personally, spiritually as well. Their lives could be changed for the better. Again, working in those two different dimensions. Our current projects look like this. So um, some, just a little bit of a disclaimer. Sometimes we use the word storehouse, uh, almost synonymous with compassion ministry. So um, if you were one of the agencies outside of this church who refers people to us, all of the things I'm about to talk to for them would come under the banner of storehouse. Does that make sense? But actually internally, storehouse for us is it's our main project, but it's mostly about clothes and baby equipment. So it's a clothing bank and it's a baby bank. Uh, it's headed up by Julie. Told you I was going to embarrass you, so this is Julie. Uh, is Jill around today? Jill's at the back, there we go, putting her hand up. And with some support from a great team of people, including Suzanne as well, who I'll mention in just a minute. Um, and so Storehouse, as I said, we provide clothes, we provide children's clothes, we now provide adult clothes as well, um, and we also provide equipment. So that looks at anything that, that a family might need. So that could be cots, buggies, car seats, travel cots. Um, sterilizers, all sorts of different things. If anyone has a need for anything like that, we normally are able to provide it. And all of that comes from incoming donations, both clothes and equipment. We very rarely ever have to buy anything apart from something like uh, new underwear, because we don't really want that donated, if we're honest. 
Um, around that, we've also got a couple of other projects. So we've got street teams with Keith and Francis. I don't know if Keith and Francis are here today, but have a chance to talk to them in the future about street teams. They recently, well, the last year, received the, the Mayor of Winchester Award for their work, which is going out into the streets and feeding people who are homeless, people who live on the street with soup, giving them clothes as well, literally doing those things we talked about in Isaiah 61. And then the third main project we have is food redistribution. And this takes surplus supermarket food, uh, we resort it and then we take it to different locations. So we take it to a couple of hostels here in the city. We take it to some families that we know were in need. And we also take it to the women's refuge here in Winchester as well. And that's headed up by Graham. I don't think Graham's here either, is he? No. And Stephen and Veronica, I've seen you guys around today. You're part of that team as well. Uh, so yeah, thank you for the work that you do with that. So there, there are three main projects, and we've been doing those projects for quite a long time now. We also have around that some seasonal events. So in the summer, we give out school uniform. Uh, we go at school uniform, normally um, items that don't have a logo on them and to different schools, and Julie heads that up uh, over the summer months. And that does involve buying in those uniforms, so we can make sure that every child usually gets something that's brand new, um, or as good as new, to be able to go into school with. We also have a toy fair, and we have our Christmas hampers coming up uh, in December as well, at the end of the year. Uh, and those are two long-established and, and very well um, I was going to say, very well used sounds like the wrong thing to say, doesn't it? But you know, people really appreciate the fact that they can get a Christmas hamper and they can get new toys for the children at Christmas. Uh, we also, since the pandemic, we have got a good partnership with Winchester Basics Bank. So um, we weren't using this hall. Uh, we didn't need it because we weren't having Sundays. So we invited them to come and use it as their distribution hub. And so they moved in for, I think it was about a year, maybe a year to 18 months. It was a very long time. Uh, and they took over this building so that they could better effectively serve the area around us with the bigger space that we could provide here rather than the small space that they had originally at that time. And we now work as a food hub. So someone who needs a food parcel can be referred through the Basics Bank and they can come here and collect their food. And you might not be aware, but at the back of the cafe there, in one of the cupboards you can see it on the screen, is our self-select food hub where people can come in and choose which items they would like. Uh, and we used to just give out a parcel, a pre-packed parcel, uh, where there was no choice involved. Uh, but now we have a, a system where people can come and choose within certain parameters what they can have, and so they can tailor it to them. And it's much more empowering for that individual. Uh, and that's headed up by Morris, who's there. You better wave. Uh, and also we've reeled Jenny back in to help with that as well. So it's been really great to have Jenny come and be Morris's backup on that. Um, some other things that we have done, uh, we've added recently, I guess, so these are kind of in the last year or so. Uh, the first thing we did was we added adult clothing to the already existing children's clothing that we provided. Uh, and that meant that essentially anyone can now come to us if they want clothing. And with the partnership we have with Winchester Basics Bank, that means that we can actually um, become the main clothes hub for all of the city. So they used to do a lot of clothes Sorry, they used to do a little bit of clothes and a lot of food. We used to do a little bit of food and a lot of clothes. Uh, and now we work together in partnership uh, where we can. Uh, and so uh, we are able to provide for, for all ages. And uh, we have got storage now for adult clothing as well as children's clothing. Um, we've actually opened an extra day. So we used to be open two days a week. We're now open three days a week. Um, and uh, we've also had to add in mostly recently due to the increased demand from Ukrainian refugees in particular. We've had to add in a, an additional appointment each day. So we've really expanded how often we're open and available for people to come to us. Uh, and I think I looked the other day, we're actually booked through until almost the middle of October at the moment, which kind of shows the level of demand that there is uh, out there. Um, so I mentioned Suzanne. Your turn to be embarrassed, so you can give us a wave if you like. 
because I know she loves that. Uh, Suzanne is doing an internship with us, but she's been part of the team at Storehouse for actually quite a lot longer than that. Uh, and a couple of things that she's been doing recently, she's been looking after what we call baby bundles, which is providing everything that an expectant mum might need up to their birth and beyond. And that comes in the form of either a Moses basket, absolutely full stuffed of goodies, or a hospital bag. Um, she gave out one last week, and I thought she was going to clear everything off the shelves because there was so much stuff, and it was such a blessing to that mum. And actually, Suzanne's been also, um, I guess, spearheading our extension and expansion. Um, there, we're here in Winchester, a reasonably affluent area, and we've got Eastleigh and Chandler's Ford just down the road, where actually there isn't any baby bank provision at the moment. There is a basics bank, but there's no clothing. Um, there is clothing, but there isn't uh, baby equipment to the same kind of scale. Um, and so people in, in Eastleigh, Chandler's Ford area need to either come to us or go to one of the uh, um, alternatives in Southampton. And so we started recently to look at how we might be able to serve the people of Eastleigh just as much as we do the people of Winchester and that area. Much to Paul's heart, yeah. <laughs> you live in Bishopstoke, mate, that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, the final thing we've added recently is we, we've, we've been able to take in electrical items. Now, charity shops don't normally take in electrical items. We've had to do a lot of training uh, and, and a lot of processing. So thank you to, to Morris again and to Kevin. Kenny, there you are, I see you. Um, who've taken that on as well. Um, and that means that we're actually able to, 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 to stop people putting stuff in landfill, actually. We can take it and we can repair it, test it, and pass it on to someone else who needs that item. Uh, and that's a brand new project that we really just got off the ground. Also helps reduce environmental w waste. Now, um, I'm sort of rushing through these, so forgive me, I've got a couple of minutes left. Um, but I wanted to kind of give you a brief overview of this so that you had an idea of what's going on that you might not necessarily know about, that might not see what happens during the week. Uh, you might not even notice stuff that happens on Sundays because we pack it all away and out of sight to be able to meet church work. Um, and if you are interested in anything, please do get in touch with us. We'd love to have a conversation. Any of those people that I've just pointed out would love to be able to have a conversation about what they do and about what else we might do. And, and that's what I really want to focus on for the next few minutes, is what else could we be doing at this time, in this moment, in this quite difficult season, to be able to be Nehemiah's ready to step into that difficult situation and reach out to others. And um, it's important to say that we try and stay within our lane as a ministry, so if there's somebody else out there doing something really well, we won't try and replicate what they're doing. We will try instead to work in partnership with them. Um, and we will try and find where the gaps are so we can step in instead. So we do work really closely with organizations like Citizens Advice in particular. Um, and uh, other churches like uh, CAP is based at Hope Church. That's Debt Advice, Christians Against Poverty. And the churches together have a great refugee support scheme as well. Um, so I think it's important just to mention that we, we don't try and do everything. But what we do try and do is see where there is a gap, where those walls aren't quite complete, and where might we be able to help. So I'm going to very briefly talk about um, our, our future dreams, what, what we would love to do if we had people, and finance, but mostly people, to be able to make that happen. Uh, and so we've, we've piloted a couple of events. So um, one thing that we started back in May, we piloted an event that we call the Storehouse Cafe. Uh, and this is an opportunity for people to come in. They're referred by the different agencies. We have the cafe set up as a cafe, strangely enough, with tea and coffee and cakes. Uh, and we also have advisors from places like Citizens Advice and from um, CAP as well who are available for people to talk to um, and directly talk to them about what their issues might be. Um, at the same time, we normally have a free giveaway. So we're having a, a second one of these events on Tuesday. Isn't that right? 
Thank you, Julie. <laughs> on Tuesday this week, and this time we're giving away winter clothing because obviously we've got the change of season coming in. We happen to have a lot of winter clothing available. Um, we've been given a lot of the winter clothing that was actually gathered for the Afghan refugees over a year ago that's just been sat in storage. Uh, and so we're actually being able to finally um, take that off the agencies who gathered it without no obvious place for it to go and put it to good use. Um, so we've been able to do that. That'll be happening on Tuesday. Um, and kind of related to that, but sort of separate, is that we're, we're about to join up to a national movement called the Warm Welcome Campaign. And this has been spearheaded by the uh, Salvation Army and a couple of other organisations. But the idea is, is that it's going to be hard for a lot of people to heat and eat this winter. And so we're going to provide a warm place where people can come so they don't have to sit at home and heat their own homes, but they can come and they can talk to us, they can chat to the team around them and the other people who come in and also get free tea and coffee. And so we're looking at doing this with other churches where we become one of the times, one of the slots in the week where people can go somewhere. Hope Church are going to do another one, the Salvation Army are going to do another slot and so on. Um, and again, to be able to make that happen, we need people who are quite happy to come in and make tea and coffee and things like that. We're looking at doing that on a Monday or a Tuesday. And we'll do it for a limited period of time through the winter months, probably starting in October if we can manage to get it in that quick. Um, we mentioned Eastleigh and we feel that actually uh, we might at some point in the future, need a physical location in Eastleigh. We've been offered somewhere. We're not quite sure how it's going to work out. Um, it's very early days, and if you could pray for that, we'd really appreciate it. But um, we feel it would be really useful to have a, a satellite location or a second location of storehouse in Eastleigh itself so that people don't have the barrier of not being able to come to us. Uh, we can't really get here unless you've got a car, and that is a, it's a huge barrier for a lot of people. Uh, and so we're looking to see whether or not we can have somewhere in Eastleigh that can serve that community as well. Um, we have, as I said, a great need at the moment, bear with me, um, for additional food donations. And we've got a system here where you can take away one of these bags, you can find it at the entrance hall there, and it's got a little shopping list on there. Um, you can take that away on a Sunday, you can bring it back the next week, hopefully full of goodies. Um, to be honest, you can pretty much ignore the shopping list at the moment and bring anything that isn't baked beans or pasta because um, that's what the demand is uh, right now, is we, we'll take anything. Um, and uh, we'd really like to put a team together on Sunday so that when you guys walk in on a Sunday, we've got someone saying, would you like to take a bag? Or can I take your bag in? We used to have this kind of team, but we stopped during COVID. So if you would like to just do that very simple 10, 15-minute job on a Sunday morning, handing out these bags, that would be great, because hopefully it will encourage all of us to think about this each week and to see it as we come in and then to, to, to take it away with us and do our shopping and add, if we can, um, some stuff off the shelf as well. Uh, one of the other things we piloted in August was called the, um, I have to get this correct, the Sanctuary Youth Hub. And what that is, essentially, it, it was a youth um, event for Ukrainian young people, but you had a couple of other different families who came from different um, refugee or migrant families who just moved into the area. Um, we, we thought there would be a gap in this particular area. We wanted to step into it. And uh, we, we partnered with a couple of different churches, uh, mostly St. Peter's Catholic Church, who um, somehow managed to bring about 20 volunteers in the middle of August, and we had about four. Um, and I don't know how they did that, um, but they were very willing to get stuck in and help making teas and coffees, but had very little expertise on actually working with young people. So it was quite a contrast. And between us, we pulled off a really good event. But um, it's likely that we're going to be asked to continue to do that event to be able to facilitate here, here, um, something like that, either here at a different location. And so we'd love some help with that as well. We'd love some people who uh, would like to make an event like that happen. Uh, we held it in August, and there was a bit of a time constraint because we wanted to have it before the school, hol school holidays finished. 
because we wanted to bring a group of British people in, uh, British young people who the Ukrainian young people might get to meet at school. So there was a bit of a time constraint to that where they would be able to get to know people before school started to be able to help them settle in. Uh, it was actually picked up nationally by Vineyard Churches. They, they focused it on their website and through their social media campaign uh, and featured us, as, along with the bus, which you can see out in the car park. Um, now I haven't got a lot of time to talk about the bus, but I could talk about the bus for, for days. Um, so we have a bus. It's a mobile youth centre. It is fully kitted out inside. Um, and it would be a great resource to take to local communities, to take to schools, to be able to help support mental health and well-being amongst young people. But also, as I said, one of those barriers is about getting to somewhere like this for support. We'd love to be able to bring the support to people where they're at. The problem is the bus is currently off the road. Uh, and if you know a mechanic, if you are a mechanic, particularly a mechanic who's got HGV or PSV experience, please come and talk to me. You would make my day, if not my year, if you could help us get that bus back on the road. So there, there are lots of ways that you can get involved. Any of these projects need people to make them happen. As I say, we've got a wonderful team, but we are pretty much bare bones as well. And I don't want to do a big kind of appeal or, or request for help, but we do have some rules that we need filled. All these things that I've mentioned here. Um, but also, we're looking specifically for someone to sort clothes on a Tuesday, for instance. We're looking for someone to help on a Monday with our food cupboard project as well. So there are lots of ways you can get involved. Now, having said that, you might not be able to get involved centrally, but you can pray for us, and you might be able to get involved in where you happen to be, because I know most of you don't actually live in Winchester. Most of you live in different locations. So I've got a couple of questions just to help guide that as we come into land. What are the gaps in the walls where you are? What might that look like? Where are the needs around you? Need can sometimes be a bit of a dirty word at the moment in charity work. We don't like talking about needs. But actually, people are in need. There's a difference between needy and being in need. And there are a lot of needs. So what the gaps look like in the walls around you? Just like Nehemiah was able to start to fill in those gaps with his team of people. What's happening where God has placed you in your community, your neighbourhood, where you can see there's a need and there's someone needs to step into that gap and be a Nehemiah who can speak into that situation or act in that situation. And secondly, what do you have in your hand? Just like those people had either the, the tools to rebuild the wall or the weapons to guard the people rebuilding the wall, Nehemiah split them into those two groups. You might be someone who's got the tools to help fill that gap or you might be the, the, the person who's got the tools to help support the people doing that through prayer or money or in some other way. So what are the gaps in the walls, and what do you have in your hand already? I'm just going to finish with this very quick story that has stuck with me since I was a small child. Um, you might have heard it in different formats and different ways. Um, this is the one that I've remembered off the top of my head. It's a story of a man who was walking down the beach one day, and in the distance he saw something that looked like a dancer, someone moving around up along the shore, and the horizon. And as he got closer, he noticed a couple of things. He noticed, first of all, that the, the tide was going out, and there were thousands and thousands and thousands of starfish just abandoned on the sand that the tide had left stranded there. And as this man walked closer, he realized that it wasn't someone dancing, it was someone picking up starfish and throwing them back in the sea over and over again. So he started to think as he got closer, well, that seems a bit silly. There's thousands of these things. So he approached the person. It was a young woman. He said to the young woman, why are you doing this? It's a futile task. You can't possibly save all of these starfish. 
The young woman just looked at him, and without saying a word, she just bent down, picked up another starfish, threw it in the sea, and she turned to him and said, it mattered to that one. She picked up one more, threw it in the sea, it mattered to that one. And I know we can't solve all of the world's problems, we can't fix broken systems here in our country or abroad in one kind of swift move. It's not going to happen overnight. If we want to end injustice, a lot has to change, a lot has to be different about how our world works. But as Jesus says in these verses here from Matthew 25, he says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for me. And so even if it's one person at a time, just one person helping one other person at a time, we can all make a difference. We can all be Nehemiahs who can step into that gap. Why don't we pray? Tom and Tess, do you want to come and join me as well? So Heavenly Father, would you just continue to speak to each of us about what the situation is in my life? What, what are the needs that I have? Are they spiritual needs? Are they physical needs? Could you come and start to speak into those different situations now, we pray? And Lord, would you help us to answer those questions about what are the gaps around me? What can I see? Help me to identify where the need is in my family, in my neighborhood, in my place of work, in the community that I'm part of. Help us to see what those gaps look like. And then would you just give us the tools to be able to start to fill those gaps? To be able to pull other people in to work with us? So we've got a couple of minutes, not very long, but can I just ask you to stand? And I don't know what your situation today is. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what might be on your mind. It might just be what's for lunch. Uh, Or it might be something more pressing, like how am I going to pay my bills tomorrow? How am I going to heat the home? There, there are lots of different things at the moment that could be happening. And just while we're in this kind of quiet place, just of, of personal reflection, just think about, Lord, what do I need help with right now? What is my current need? What's the most pressing issue in my life? And it could be a physical thing. It could be a spiritual thing. So earlier when we were singing about as far as the east is from the west, God's removed my transgressions from me. I just had a sense that there's someone that that maybe resonates with. If that's you and and you'd like prayer about that, then please come up and let's pray and engage with God about that. Also, as as, as Stephen was talking, um, I just had the impression that there's some people who, who have a heart to be used by God. In, in compassion and that sort of space. So if that's you and, and you want to make a commitment to God, like the Israelites did before the priest, then you know, feel free to come up to the front and pray with someone just to make that commitment before God and before one of the, the church family here. 
So I'd like to invite you to, to do that if, if that's something that moves you. And equally, as I mentioned earlier about um, names and labels that may have been put on some of us, if you want any prayer about anything, any word that's been placed on you that isn't of God, then please do come forward. Don't, don't leave here um, without, without getting some prayer. Or if you've managed to have that conversation with, with God from your seat, brilliant. But if you would like some prayer, then please do come forwards as well. So if any of that resonates with you, if any of that speaks to you at the moment, if you happen to have a need, or if anything that Tom or Tess has shared or, or has come up, even just from listening to God during the service, then there is time, we can, we can spend some time praying for you. So why don't you come forward now? Ben's just going to start playing. We're going to bring our, our service to a bit of a messy ending, a bit of a, bit of a messy ending. So if you've got kids you need to go to uh, and fetch from the kids' groups, please go and do that. And do remember to say thank you to the teams and doing that and uh, tea and coffee will be served shortly as well but please don't miss this opportunity to come and get prayer or receive prayer so there's plenty of room at the front or you might want to put your hand up where you are if you're not happy coming to the front and just ask a few people around you to pray for you there yeah we all get to play so everyone can have a chance to pray so if you want to do that come up the front now that would be great so we pray come Holy Spirit come Jesus Father, we thank you that you know us intimately. You know our hearts. You know our needs. Let's just come and meet with us now, we pray in Jesus' name.